Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi everyone, welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Dr. Ellen Albertson, a psychologist, registered dietitian, health and wellness coach, Reiki master, and mindful self-compassion teacher. Known as the midlife whisperer, she helps women elevate their energy, confidence, and clarity to make their next chapter their best chapter. Dr. Ellen is a best-selling, award-winning author, speaker, and expert on women's well-being who has appeared on numerous television programs and has been featured in many publications. With over 30 years of experience in counseling, coaching, and healing, she brings a holistic approach to her transformational work. Her latest book, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter, is a must-read for anyone seeking to unlock their full potential. Dr. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to be here, Claire. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We've talked a little bit before, and I just think this is going to be so valuable to our phone talk listeners. So I know that we've talked about um, practicing self-care and how important it is for our physical and emotional well-being. And during midlife, women experience so many changes. We can talk about the empty nest, and there's changes in family dynamic. But we also know there's a lot that changes with us physically around this time. And it can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. And I'm I'm delighted that you, you know, help women discover that midlife can be their best time of their life. So let's talk a little bit at the beginning here about your most recent book and why you think women should embrace this stage of life. Well, they should because what's the alternative, right? We can keep our mind positive and see that your best years are in front of you or behind you. And unfortunately, you know, when you put midlife in Google, it's conjoined with crisis. When you go and you put in thesaurus, you get the wrong set of 40. So we have our whole society thinking this mindset that it's all downhill after midlife, right? And I'm here to say absolutely not. We were talking off the air and I just actually bought a house in Costa Rica and I am having the time of my life. I feel great. I am having so much fun reaching so many women. So my work really is about, first of all, changing our society. And that's starting to change with organizations like your bone health, the osteoporosis organization, and certainly your menopause foundation. We're really changing the conversation. We're seeing things like the Super Bowl is having ads about hot flashes and medications that can help. And then, you know, even watching the Oscars the other day, I was looking at all of these amazing midlife actresses, and there was even a commercial 
for wine, but it was showing midlife women. And I'm here to say things are starting to change. So I wrote my book, Rock Your Midlife, you know, because I wanted to be part of this conversation of change, of really looking at pro-aging, that aging is really all about if you're living, you're going to age. It's a natural process and you want to live life to the fullest because frankly, we're living much longer. This is the first time ever that people are living into their 80s, their 90s. My folks are both in their 90s right now, and they are still active and vibrant. And so we have so many years ahead of us. We really need to redefine what what happens through midlife and beyond. So I wrote the book, you know, as a guidebook that anyone could just pick up, turn to any of the seven steps, whatever resonates with them, and really be able to make some real um, fundamental changes and big and small changes in their life, doable things from a coaching approach based on my 30 years of working with women at midlife. I wanted to share my own story and the stories of my clients and show people that yes, you can rock midlife no matter where you are at, wherever you are with your health, your relationships, your career, you can transform your life and come out the other end happier and transformed and changed. And I also just, you know, wanted to give people hope and help people see that they're not alone, that it is normal that women go through menopause. We go through physiological changes, like changes to our bone health. It's a normal part of the process because so often when things go wrong, we think, oh my God, it's just me. And we feel very Mm -hmm. isolated. And so shows like what you're doing with your podcast, my book, there's so many wonderful resources for women now who are going through the transformations at midlife. You're absolutely right. I think the more resources we can provide women, because as you said, things have changed so dramatically just from, you know, how long we're all living. And I think that earlier mindset that, oh, you know, once midlife and the reproductive years were over, then it was a slow decline. And now that we are living healthier, longer, it is more of an opportunity. So I think it's great to be able to talk with people about what can be this fantastic and inspirational time of life? And so I'm really excited to dive more into you know the advice you give it in your book. And we'll make sure that we have links, obviously, for those listening to Dr. Ellen's books and her podcasts and more, because it really is something that I think everyone can benefit no matter what stage of life you're in. So let's talk a little bit more, though, about the midlife stage. And We know that, again, that women typically see a decline in estrogen at midlife, which is, uh, you know, obviously the steps towards and through the menopause journey. And it can have an, you know, a really significant impact on both our bodies and our overall health. And, you know, this also includes bone density. We talk a lot to women about the fact that when you say the same thing, it's part of aging. Well, it's sometimes it's part of what's biologically happening to us. And that is the loss of estrogen, which can decrease our bone density up by up to 20% in the first five to seven years postmenopausal. And when I share that, people are just shocked by it because no one tells you, you know, that this is coming and that you need to do more to kind of take care of yourself. And so let's talk a little bit about some of those kind of symptoms of daily life that happen and how you've seen with women, when they cultivate a self-compassion and a positive mindset, they can improve their overall health. Now, so it's great initially to talk about what self-compassion is. And so self-compassion is essentially treating yourself the way you would a good friend. So 
start off by, you know, thinking about if I had a good friend who was going through what I'm going through, the, the decline in bone density, the hot flashes, the brain fog, and also, you know, often depression too. Midlife women have the highest rate of depression for any group by age and gender. So if you had a good friend who was going through a variety of these things, what would you say to her? What would you do? And now take a moment and think about yourself. So maybe you are facing a, a decline in, you know, in your bone density. You are going through various menopausal symptoms. You're, you're struggling and also struggling with what is going on in your life in terms of relationships. A lot of us have aging parents and growing children and we're struggling sometimes at work and all of these things. What would you say to yourself? And I do this with women all the time and have them compare them. Usually with our friends, we're like, oh my gosh, what can I do for you? Can I come over? Let's go for a walk. Let's go out to dinner. I'll take you to the movies. That's whatever it is. You're going to be there. Are just going to listen compassionately with ourselves? We either go into this shouldn't be happening. Or, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Why didn't I, you know, eat more calcium, more vitamin D? Why didn't I work on, you know, on the strength bearing exercise, the weightlifting and those types of things? But you start to think, okay, what would I, how can I treat myself the way I would a good friend? How can I change my tone of voice, my posture towards myself? And this has a profound impact on your relationship with yourself. You literally start to fall in love with yourself. And what the research really shows is that you take better care of yourself. You go to the doctor, you, you know, eat more kale and, and mm-hmm. eat your yogurt and do all of those things, you know, which are bone preserving foods in your diet. And you do these things because you love yourself, not because you feel guilty and bad because a doctor tells you, you know, this is happening to you or you you feel bad about yourself, but because you feel good about yourself and you realize there's so much that you can do. The other um, thing that's really key about self-compassion is there's three elements, which are kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. So with self-compassion, first of all, you're kind to yourself rather than judgmental. So you don't have that harsh, critical attitude that we just discussed before, contrasting how you treat a friend versus how you treat yourself. The second piece is common humanity. You realize that this is a normal. If you are in a body or going through menopause, losing bone mass is a normal part of the aging process. Nothing has gone wrong. When you realize this, you don't feel so alone. When you think, oh my God, it's just me. No one else in the world is facing the same bone loss. You feel very isolated. You don't know what to do. And then the last piece is mindfulness. And so this is a key piece of when you notice you're stressed and struggling, when you're stressed out and and you're thinking, you know, maybe you're making some decisions about what to do medically or what to do in terms of your lifestyle and these types of things, you notice that you're stressed and struggling and rather just plowing forward and getting into fix it mode, take a moment and you think, what do I need right now? You know, and maybe it's as simple as I just need to do nothing for a moment. I just need to take a breath. I just need to go for a walk. I need to take a nap. I need to listen to music. I need to fix myself a snack. I need to draw a color journal, all of those things. So with mindfulness and something that you can do right now is after you listen to the podcast, take out a piece of paper and write down all the ways you already take care of yourself or the ways you would like to take care of yourself. Then when you are stressed and struggling, you notice, oh my God, this is suffering. You pull out the paper and you do something on the list. That's really self-compassion is a practice. It's something, you know, we practice yoga, we practice mindfulness. It's something that you do continuously. And the cool thing about it is it's like a muscle. Anybody can learn it. I was the most unself-compassionate person. I was so full of self-loathing, doing all of these so-called self-care things because I hated my body. And then I learned self-compassion and I did a 180. And now I do all of this because I love and care about myself. It also feels good to take care of yourself. It does. And it's so important. And 
when you were describing how we treat ourselves, like I said, versus how we treat our friends, it's that I think will resonate with everybody because with ourselves, and I'm guilty of this too, I do the would have, could have, should have. That's how I respond when things are presented to me. And I would never do that to a friend. I would never say to a friend, you could have, you would have, you should have done this. Um, and I know a therapist who's, that would always stops and says like, stop shooting all over yourself. Yeah. That you have to remove that from your language. And that's hard to do. But as you said, that's part of self-compassion, treating ourselves in a way that we would, a, a, a total stranger, never mind, we would never be so mean or so um, discouraging or judgmental about someone as we are about ourselves. So I can see how that takes, that does take practice though, right? That's not what we are naturally told to do as women either. You know, we're always been in that sort of cultural thing of just get by, just put up with the pain, put up with the situations, do all these kinds of things, be paid less, have less, you know, response from medical professionals. That's what women are used to. And so changing that really takes all of us, but it starts with us individually. And so I love the idea of, you know, taking steps to practice that, you know, positive compassion and the mindset. And you had mentioned again about that tool when we spoke before about writing down all the ways that you currently self-care. And then when you're in a crisis, you know, of it, being able to just pull that out and be like, oh, right walking works for me or meditating works for me, or I'm going to listen to my favorite song. That's such an easy thing to do that can change the dynamic of the situation or your thoughts or feelings so immediately. Yeah. I love that. So what other kinds of self-care activities do you recommend that women consider and men for taking care of their physical health? Yeah, I certainly um, recommend a healthy diet. And we know from so much research now that a whole food plant-based diet is the way to go. So it's all about eating more produce, more fruits, more vegetables. What these foods do is they really combat inflammation. And inflammation is really at the basis of most of our chronic diseases. And it's also, it's interesting. I was, I just wrote an article on inflammation and I didn't realize when estrogen drops, actually estrogen has a protective effect on inflammation. So you get more inflamed as you go through menopause, and that's causing some of the symptoms. So eating more whole food, a whole food plant-based diets, certainly if you want to preserve your bone health, getting more calcium, leafy greens are wonderful. Foods certainly are dairy products, things like also, you know, I know things like corn, corn tortillas, things made with lime have more. So really learning where those foods are and making sure that you are getting adequate amounts of calcium, adequate amounts of vitamin D. So thinking of nutrition, not getting away from the sort of weight loss model that we've also been indoctrinated into, not because I need to or I want to lose weight, but because nutrition as self-care, I'm taking care of myself. And so even what do I need to do to plan, to prepare, to shop, maybe batch cooking, but and making it fun. I mean, for me, cooking is self-care. I think, you know, I love to cook. It's something that, you know, I put on music. I get in the kitchen with my fiance. I love going to the food store. We grow a lot of our own foods. I love to sprout. So certainly nutrition and certainly movement. So finding some type of movement that you enjoy. We know that uh, strength training, lifting weights is really great in terms of building the, the bone density. So you don't need to go crazy. You don't need to do the CrossFit thing where you might feel overwhelmed and intimidated. Just simply 
doing some, some strength training two or three times a week is sufficient. So that's an awesome thing to do. Certainly walking is great in terms of, you know, getting cardiovascular exercise, any other cardiovascular exercise you like, swimming, biking, dancing are all incredible things to do. Yoga is lovely too. Yoga has a really nice impact on your body image. So, you know, when you practice yoga, and you're mindful, which is going to, again, help you keep that positive mindset when all of those thoughts are going through your mind of should have, could have, would have, right? You learn mindfulness. And I've learned over time that I can actually just, I'm not going to go there. I just choose to be mindful. Sometimes being mindful is the most self-compassionate thing that you can do. And the other things you physiologically, sleep is so important to the research that is coming in around sleep and Certainly, when we're going through menopause, it can be really difficult to get enough, but there are so many correlations between sleep and mental health and also weight loss in the, those types of things. Um, another thing that's self-care too is use a standing desk. We sit too much, and that is a huge issue in terms of our health and well-being. So there is so much that you can do around self-care, but again, doing it because you love and care about yourself. Supplementation can be a good thing to do too. So working with a nutritionist, or if you're going to a, like a functional medical doctor or a naturopath, somebody who understands su supplementation, certainly, you know, going to the doctor can be self-care, you know, getting your mammogram can be self-care, going to the dentist, talking to your doctor about menopause or finding a good doctor, whether it's menopause, bone health, that is going to really listen to you and treat you like a, a human being and value you. And if you're a doctor, you're not comfortable finding someone who really resonates with you, who can give you the information and work with you on your own individualized body. Yeah, all of those are so important. We could spend a podcast talking about each one of those. Honestly, you know, I love when you were talking about like nutrition and, and cooking and taking thing as a self-care activity versus I think how so many of us approach it, particularly women, as something that's caring for others, you know, feeding your partner, feeding your children. It becomes a thing, again, a should have, you know, we have to do this kind of stuff. And then turning that around and being like, well, well, actually, when I prepare it and I'm choosing healthy things, that's taking care of me. That's a, and helping care for the family or for, you know, friends or whatever it is that you love to do. That's a great way to look at that. And, you know, I think the same thing too. So many people don't know about the role of inflammation in our bodies and, you know, what that impact can be. And it's sometimes I think a little as a person who struggles, you know, with the, the diet and exercise, self-care and care overall, I think it's one of those things where it just seems like there's so much to do, you know, to get started and do it. And yet everything about our healthy, active aging and life really starts with a nutritious, a healthy diet. We said eat the rainbow, everything in moderation, doing those things, and then movement. I saw a clip, like I said, I just saw a clip for online of a hundred year old woman who was, you know, being interviewed and her grandson was showing her that she'd gone viral. And her message was just move, move every day. And I thought, my goodness, how many people need to tell us this before we actually make it a real practice. And that idea of being at something that's not, oh, I have to do this, but oh, I'm going to do this for myself is such a great attitude about it. I love that way that you presented it. I think that's going to, you know, again, really matter for people as they're doing it. So we've talked a little bit about the book. And as I said, we'll have information for everyone to be able to link to the book. 
but you also host the Rock Your Midlife radio show, which I had the privilege of being on with the National Menopause Foundation. So can you talk a little bit about the radio, the podcast, and maybe what kind of topics you have coming up? Sure. Well, I started the podcast about a year ago and just wanted, again, wanted to reach more women, help women at Rock Midlife. It's meant to listen, but it's primarily for women who are looking for basically ideas, things that they can do and inspiration around midlife. So I have a huge array of people. You were fabulous. And I love the conversation we had about alcohol. I mean, it's like so many women at midlife struggle with alcohol, myself included. And we were, I can't remember the the woman that we had on who's written a book about her midlife. It's It's a memoir. And just saying, gosh, she put it out there on Twitter. And so it's just all about connecting. She put it out there. She was amazed at how many people wrote and said, yeah, I don't react really well with alcohol anymore. And I know that that is me. I'm just not doing a thing for me. Anyway, so, you know, certainly health and wellness. I'm super excited. I'm having Mary Clara um, have her on, and she has written a book called The Galveston Diet, and she's all about, you know, how to eat, take care of yourself. I learned a lot from reading her book about actually intermittent fasting and also, yeah, for the inflammation piece and for the menopause piece. So she recommends intermittent fasting, and she recommends, of course, a whole food plant-based anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I just had Michelle Fishborn on last week, and this woman is amazing. Right, I think I don't know if it was during COVID, right before COVID, her lease was up. She kind of lost her house. She had she had I think gone through divorce, didn't know what to do, and she decided to get in her 2006 camper, and she drove 12,000 miles across the country. And she's written a book called "Where Are We Now?" She interviewed people about COVID, so she's written a brilliant book all about COVID. And so I've had her on, and I'm had on a woman named Linda Joy, who is a wonderful spiritual guru who works with midlife. I wrote the introduction for her book about finding your midlife mojo. And so I had her on. So really cover body. So that's kind of where my roots are. I love encouraging women to just enjoy being in your body, take care of your body. It's like you have it from the moment you're born, the moment you leave the planet. How do we take care of our bodies in a real, again, a positive way with things like self-compassion and intuitive eating and whole food plant-based diet. We certainly work on mine and being a psychologist, I love sort of mindset. I'm actually having someone on, I think next week, who's written a book about happiness and sort of the, you know, the happiness formula and how we can be happier in our lives. Certainly um, focus on emotions. And that's a big piece of self-compassion as well is how do we process difficult emotions and spirituality. I think, you know, at midlife, that's one thing. And, and that spirituality is, is very broad. It's how do you find meaning? How do we find purpose? Because at midlife, we actually influence up to four generations. So we influence our grandkids, our kids, our peers, our parents. We are very, very powerful. We might not have quite as much energy that we did when we were younger. I know I'm not, you know, quite as energized as I used to be, but I'm a lot wiser. And I know myself and I'm really motivated to make a difference. So if you are listening, you are here for a reason. And part of that is for you to enjoy your life and take care of yourself because life can really be a gas. And certainly midlife is the time to make those changes and transformations that that you are feeling called to make so that you can enjoy your next chapter. That is absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, again, it's something that we just need to hear over and over again and then get the tools, you know, that you share and that some of the guests on your on your show share. And because that really, when people can 
we talk about it. And then when you get practical examples, that for me is so helpful. And that's kind of how I learn. You know, it's what I remember, at least, you know, if I can, I'll read books, and then I'll remember particularly the examples that were given and those stick with me. So, you know, having these types of conversations where there's really practical tips offered, I think can be really, really important. So as someone who has a wealth of experience and knowledge, we know about supporting women at midlife, what would be the one piece of advice or an action that you think all women should prioritize as they navigate this time of life? Well, certainly make self-compassion your superpower. I know it changed my life. I was had such a fierce self-critic, so much self-loathing, always being harder on myself. Nothing was ever good enough. And I know that I was so fortunate to have Kristen Neff on my dissertation committee, study self-compassion, show that it reduces body shame, body dissatisfaction, self-worth based on appearance and improves body appreciation. So you know, when we don't like our bodies, when we have low negative, we have negative body image, we don't take care of our bodies. And, and certainly negative body image is correlated with, you know, stress, depression, eating disorders, all kinds of things. So self-compassion has so many ramifications, including feeling good about your body, taking care of yourself. So I would say, learn to be your own best friend. I mean, you're with yourself for your whole life. And so why not treat yourself better? And if you're feeling, gosh, I might, I, I don't even know what self-love is. I don't know where to start. Start by just thinking, gosh, when, I'm, when you go through something, what would I say if a good friend was going through the same things? It takes time, but I'm here to say that it's worth it and it really will transform your life and you can do it. So yes, make self-compassion your superpower. That is an awesome, awesome advice. And and then really important for our listeners too, because I talk with so many people who are down on themselves when they get diagnosed with a chronic disease like osteoporosis. You know, you think you've been doing well and you've been living well, and then all of a sudden you're told that that you have this disease. And because there are risk factors to it, everyone automatically thinks they've done something wrong. And I try to remind people that, you know, being a woman and going through menopause are risk factors that you cannot control. And being small framed or small boned are things you cannot control. And so, you know, again, if you just sort of accept where you are and think about, okay, what can I do now to help myself manage this condition and to continue to live the life I, I want to live. That is so important. So we need more people like you, Dr. Allen, helping us to really talk about how to best feel good about ourselves and take good care of ourselves because that is the essence of living a healthy life. So thank you so much for joining me today. Again, Dr. Ellen, we really appreciate your insights on self-care and thriving in midlife. As I mentioned earlier, we'll have links and resources to all the materials we talked about today with bonetalk.org along with this episode. And for more information about how you can keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, please subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode, and please share it with all your family and friends. Thanks again, Dr. Ellen, and we look forward to um, having all of you join us on the next episode of Bone Talk. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. 
To learn more about Bone Health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.